Cheers, y'all. Well, 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 well. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to this fine program known as Smoking and Toasting. It's all about craft beer, fine spirits, and hand-rolled cigars. We are coming to you from the studio in Houston, Texas, but heard all over the world, thus making this the world-famous Smoking and Toasting. Hi, Mom. We are so glad to have you on board. It's show number 189, where we will ask and with some, you know, some degree of, uh, of you know, accuracy answer the question, is whiskey the true holy water? It's it's pretty good stuff. It's pretty good stuff. So we'll be getting to that. We're brought to you by B&B uh, Butchers and Restaurant at 1814 Washington Ave in Houston and in the shops at Clear Fork in Fort Worth, BB Italia on Memorial in Houston, and BB Lemon on Washington Ave, as well as the Annie Cafe and Bar on Post Oak Boulevard in Houston. Uh, what a week it's been. Uh, all, a whole lot of things going on. We will uh, bring you another episode of Drinking News today, which is always kind of fun. And uh, cigar factories around the world are reopening, so we'll kind of give you an update update on what's what's happening you know the uh the virus continues to grow but things are reopening anyway it's kind of where the world finds itself at this point so we'll just see uh where things go representatives from florida have urged the president to drop the cigar regulations because of the already troubled uh, you know cigar industry uh, mm-hmm. because of the slowdown from you know the economy and, and covid so uh, we'll see how that goes, tell you what's going on with that. Plus, we will tell you what you can expect from the craft beer industry post-COVID-19. Uh, so some new projections are coming out as, gonna be, as many breweries are reopening It's going to be so. very interesting to see what the new normal well, is. Well, that, that's right. And, and that kind of is my biggest question mm-hmm. now about all of this stuff, the cigar industry, uh, you know, craft beer, even the spirits industry, particularly with the smaller distilleries. What is the new normal? Are we going to lose some? If so, will new ones kind of crop up to take their place? Does the fact that people have been, you know, unable to go visit their favorite brewery or tap room for a while, is that going to make that, you know, that much more exciting for people to go back? And will there be a a kind of a like a, a boom, a boom almost, of sorts yeah. uh, for I think, craft beer? I think that's that's going to be also mitigated though by the fact that everywhere has to operate at twenty five or well fifty percent yeah, or whatever although, they're ramping it to. Right, you although know? I, I understand that in Texas where we are, that now it's about to bump up again past fifty percent. Yeah. So uh, I think you're going to see most responsible places, regardless of what the you know, regulations maybe. I just think you're going to see them try to keep people a little more separated yeah. for a while, if for no other reason than because it's it'll make people more comfortable yeah. to come back. I'm, you know, my wife and I are going out to uh, meet a friend uh, for a drink and go over a small business matter tomorrow. It'll be the first time we've done this first since time the out. lockdown, right? Right, right? And and we researched like crazy to find a place that we could go that we felt comfortable. That they were, you know, doing the right things in terms of, you know, separation of the tables and and what have you. I mean, we went online, we read different, you know, bars and restaurants, what they were saying about how they were handling it. And I think that is going to be a bigger factor, quite frankly, than regulation. Because people, uh, you know, there are some people who aren't worried about it and just, you know, don't care. They're just going to live their lives normal. But the majority of people are concerned on some level and are taking some kind of precautions. And so they're going to want to approach places that are being more careful. So last week, uh, me and my wife went out, uh, and we hadn't been out 
at all, like right. to anywhere. Right. <laughs> so uh, we're both getting a little cabin fever, uh, feverish. Well, uh, so a buddy of mine over off of uh, Post Oak uh, has um, has a restaurant called Watershed, mm-hmm. which is absolutely outstanding. Go there. Okay. It's amazing. Noted. And what they did is they, they just took out a bunch of their seating so that there's only spaced out seating left. So you can't walk in and sit next to anybody else. Right. Every table is far enough away from every other table. So anywhere you go uh, up there and do that, and then everyone, you know, they're super clean. They're spraying stuff down constantly there. And, uh, and they got a great selection of beer and everything else. But we felt real comfortable there because we weren't right next to anybody um, and didn't feel like uh, didn't feel like there was any problems with it. The food was outstanding. It was nice to get out of the house. Yeah, you know? it, it, feels, it feels good to do something that approaches what normal used to be, even if the new normal yeah. is going to be different. Even if yeah, it's just, going to be weird. If you just take a step in that direction, it, it, it feels like it's good for the soul in some sort of way. Yeah. You know what I mean? So uh, so it is nice to get back out. Now, you're going, uh, you and your wife are uh, taking actually a small vacation, aren't you? Yeah, well, we had this uh, vacation planned for quite a while. We're going to um, uh, see my brother in Tucson. Are you driving or flying? We're flying. Okay, and so the, that's uh, going to be interesting. Yeah, the airplanes are apparently they're supposed to have a seat between every passenger at least minimum, which is not six feet. Yeah, unless you fly United, but, they don't care. They don't. <laughs> they don't. They don't. They're United like, doesn't give a damn. Damn. They, just, they they released that guidance as a plan, and were in violation of their own plan one day later. One day. That's like United on Airlines. The next flight. The world's worst airline. Oh man. So yeah, we're flying Southwest on it. Um, and uh, They're South- better. Southwest has been pretty good to us yeah. uh, for for most for most mm-hmm. places. Um, but yeah, so it'll be interesting to see. But I think also since there's two of us, we'll take up at least one side of 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 the row because you know it'd be me and her, and no one else is going to be sure. sitting in between us. So I think that that kind of makes me feel a little Helps. better too. And you can wear the mask. I'm not and- sitting right next to a stranger at that point. Right. Wear a mask. You know. Now let me ask you this uh, question: You'll be on Skype next week. Yes. And uh, we're hoping to have another guest in the studio. But one way or another, I'll be here. You'll be on Skype. Mm-hmm. And uh, you're planning to try to find, you know, maybe a, a tap room or yeah, a, but so a my cigar plan place is, or something. My plan is to find uh, like a cigar lounge or somewhere like that that has open with social distancing. But I was I was talking with my brother, and they're not quite as far ahead uh, with the um, with the reopening with the reopening as we are. As a matter of fact, right now uh, the the scary part is they're having an upswing in the amount of cases of uh, COVID that they're a lot of states are they're finding. So um, so we're kind of going into that. So we're going to have to go in with with our social distancing eyes wide open. So mm-hmm. to speak, and then um, and then just see. So if if I can't find a lounge or if it's not a comfortable situation, I've, you know I've got uh, he's got Wi-Fi and he's got a backyard. So so yeah. Either way, I'm looking at you smoking a cigar on next week's show, making me a little jealous. Yeah, I'm in the studio. Yeah. Right? yeah. Either way, I, there will be a cigar. Involved. Speaking of cigars, did you uh, smoke anything interesting this week? Let me think about that for a second. Hell yes, <laughs> I'm guessing. <laughs> So, um, uh, yeah, so this is not, it's a new cigar, but uh, I'm a big fan of the uh, Oscar Valderas uh, Superfly. Yes. I just think it's a great stick. We both smoked that and loved it. Yeah. Yeah. It's a great stick. Well, they just came out with the uh, Superfly Connecticut. Mm. So, Connecticut, a Honduran Connecticut uh, wrapper, Honduran binder, and then I think three. Three, Three different, different nations countries, yeah. uh, uh, for of filler, tobacco. filler uh, on there, 
Uh, this The appearance on this light brown, real pretty smooth with some veins, the purple and gold 70s theme label, which, you know, is just it's a so Superfly. This is actually of, a little hard for me to imagine, because when I think of the Superfly, I think of that dark Maduro. Because it's really and, dark. Yeah, right, it's a really yeah. dark looking. So it's uh, hard for me to imagine a Connecticut so, and rapper. And this is very Connecticut looking. Yeah. There's like, no, hmm, I wonder what, <laughs> what kind of rapper <laughs> that is. It's very, very uh, light brown. So I'll be curious to see smooth. if it wound up being much lighter. Well, so it's a very interesting cigar. So it's definitely on the um, mild plus, or okay. maybe the beginnings of medium overall. I'll go ahead and give that give that that away right now. Mm -hmm. um, the pre light sniff on this, I, I got freshly mown grass, hay, hint of cinnamon and mint with apple blossoms kind of thing. So it and sounds like a really strong flavors for a Connecticut. You know? It's yeah, it was really distinctive flavors. I wasn't expecting all that. You know, a lot of times when I pick up a Connecticut, even if it's a really good Connecticut, I get a lot of hay and barnyard. Mm -hmm. Some and, of that light tobacco yeah, note. Yeah, and the yeah. very tobacco-y kind of uh, thing, but not usually a whole lot. But this one had really interesting stuff going on. The pre-light draw was, uh, I used a clip, and it was um, it was a medium to medium-light draw on it. Pretty nice. It felt it felt pretty good overall. And a sweet nutmeg, mint, and a tangy, tangy tingle on the lips. Oh, nice. Yeah, it was really, I was like, what is going on with this thing? This is crazy. <laughs> the mint thing was the weirdest thing, though, because, I mean, it wasn't like, it wasn't like I had anything else influencing that mint too. I think the the, uh, the beer that I started off with with this uh, cigar was a, a Dirty Bastard from Founders, and there ain't nothing minty in that. No, <laughs> no, it has some flavor. Yeah. Mint is not one of them. Which, by the way, ended up being a wrong beer for this. I actually took that beer and set it aside and opened up a different beer to have with the cigar once I started into it. Yeah, because the uh, the initial light on this blast of mint and pepper. Wow, absolutely interesting. Just such an interesting uh, thing. Fermented hay, tangy spice, really toasty finish on it. Right off the bat, that was the initial light. And it was an interesting in initial light because it's so different from the initial light on almost any other cigar I've ever had. Uh, the first third of this, nutmeg and toast, hints of citrus, mint, uh, cinnamon with a woody finish. Had a little bit of an uneven burn. I didn't do anything about it. Had a nice solid ash on it. The second third of this, tangy lemon sweetness with white pepper. Evolve with strong cedar notes, like cedar started coming in really, really strong here. Nice. Uh, minty sweet finish, perfect burn. The burn head uh, even out, solid ash. Uh, the last third of this, I put mild plus strength or medium minus uh, with big flavor. Mint moves forward with hints of coconut, nutmeg, cedar ramps up, hay and a little campfire, white pepper on the finish. Solid it's a ash. lot of flavors Purple. for a, it was, a lighter it was cigar. Great flavor, yeah, and it was big flavor, but not powerful flavor. If that right. makes sense. So the strength mm -hmm. of the cigar wasn't huge, but the cigar had a lot of flavor. Um, so the price to quality was about a nine dollar cigar, the same price point as the uh, as the um, as the regular Superfly. the regular Superfly, the uh, Superfly Maduro, or whatever you want to call it now to distinguish it. I gave it a solid six. Nice. I thought I thought with the flavor profile, it punched above its uh, category. And it was uh, pretty awesome. Nice. And what size was this? Was it the same this was, size? I think they called the it a Super Corona. It's like a six by forty-eight. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So around the same size as the, the regular yeah. uh, Superfly. Interesting. That that sounds intriguing to try because one of the things that I, since I normally smoke like medium to full, that's kind of my go-to range. Right. Same here. When I go for a Connecticut or a lighter cigar, I'm always hoping that it isn't just so light that I don't get much out of it. But what you're describing with this is the perfect. Kind of the perfect storm, really, if you want 
a lighter cigar, maybe to go with, with a particular thing, but still have tons of well, flavor. Well, I would tell you, it, so, yeah. so just a real quick thing on it. I, I started off with the wrong beer because I had that uh, Dirty Bastard. I, I set it aside because I can drink Dirty Bastard at any temperature. It's fine with me. Right. <laughs> so I set it aside, and I grabbed a um, an, uh, an Amber Ale. Uh, one of the altworks, uh, Amber Ale, uh-huh. and uh, and it was quite good with it. But I really, really wanted like a mojito or something, some kind of mixed drink or rum based kind of drink right. with the cigar because it would have really been a beautiful match. I think. Speaking of rum, we're going to try one today that I'm anxious to oh. anxious to have you sample. It is a, uh, a, a an interesting rum. You may have seen it on Mr. Twirly Gig when we first started the show. Uh, there we go. Uh, it is called Dictador. It's a 12-year ultra-premium reserve rum from Colombia. So uh, I'm anxious to see what you think of that and how you think that might work. It's a very uh, dark and mysterious-looking bottle. cigars, yeah. Uh, let me tell you about what I smoked. It's, it's a, uh, I'm, I'm not completely sure that I haven't smoked this one and talked about it. I know I, had, I didn't smoke and talk about the Robusto. If I did, it would have been a different size. Yeah. Uh, but I had one of the Romeo and Julieta 1875 Reserve Real Nicaragua nice. cigars, and I think that these just came out. So I don't. I think I may have smoked a Reserve Real before and talked about it, but it wasn't the Nicaragua. So this is a new and line. I think I have one of those it's, in my it's, humidor, but it's I haven't got a blue about band on it. Yeah. Okay, if if it's in there. You may want to seek it out. Um, it's a gorgeous deep brown uh, wrapper. It was very inviting just to just to look at. You know, uh, the pre-light sniff uh, was earthy in that kind of Nicaraguan way. You know, uh, with notes of maybe some wood and spice mm-hmm. on the uh, on the sniff. The draw was just perfect. More of those uh, same notes. I used a punch on it and uh, lit it up with no problems. It had that kind of telltale Nicaraguan spiciness, that pepper blast right yeah, on the beginning. Yeah, right off the bat. That so many of them do. That's uh, a very black pepper kind of spicy, Yeah, it just too. punched its way forward as soon as it was lit. But then, as most of them do, it settled right down, and the flavor started getting more complex. It gave way to notes of cedar and this wonderful, deep sort of Nicaraguan earthiness. That I think I've never been to Nicaragua. You and I have been to Honduras, which is close. but Right next to uh, it. Yeah. Well, but, we were in the Jalapa Valley, so we were— right. We were pretty close. Yeah, we're pretty close. But next time I have an opportunity to be in that area, I want to just take a handful of the soil and just just, yeah. just smell the soil because I want to see if that will connect to the receptors in my brain to that earthiness yes. that I enjoy so much uh, from Nicaraguan It cigars. makes me think of like a really black, rich- Right, a very rich, earth, deep, yeah. almost loamy kind of soil. Right, I don't right. know that that's the case, but that's what it makes me think of. So uh, anyway, it was- uh, uh, it, it was a very deep kind of earthiness, not a sort of a dirt smell, more mm-hmm. like a, a, a just like a almost cured earth yeah. kind of a smell. Um, I picked up on some leather and toast around the halfway point, uh, and it continued to evolve. This cigar did with every puff, which was really kind of awesome. Um, there were no construction issues; burned very nice overall. Uh, you know, a little uneven at times, but nothing that would even make you need to to do a relight. Uh, medium to full-bodied, and so it wasn't until after I had smoked it that I looked up just to make sure I knew enough about it that I didn't sound like a dumbass when I talked about the cigar. And it was then that I discovered, oh, this was a collaboration between Rafael Nadal, renowned um, you know blender of the leaf, and some guy named A.J. Fernandez. So <laughs> I, 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 Of course I, it was. I didn't go into it knowing that. Uh, and I, I was kind of glad in a way because I'm such an AJ fanboy. It would have made me decide I liked it 
even before, even, yeah. even quicker. You know, as long as it didn't disappoint, then I'd have been all about it. But I liked it even not knowing that it was uh, AJ related, and so. But but now, of course, it makes total sense yep. to me that that Nicaraguan earthiness, the way the blends just kind of kept shifting and changing a little yeah. bit as it smoked, very much like the AJs that are on my favorite list. Which guess what? Uh, this is now on my favorite list. Uh, it's about an eight dollar robusto, uh, so not cheap but not overly expensive. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to go with the six, price to quality. So nice, it's, nice, uh, two it's great scores. Today. Highly, highly recommended, and it's it's one that you can just go like pick one up of. I think I got it off the end cap at uh, Casa de Monte Cristo, yeah. and uh, you can just pick one up of it and enjoy it, or you can do like I'm now probably going to do and start pricing the box. Yeah, yep. yeah, yeah. Start pricing well, I got to tell box. you, you know, so you mentioned the. Uh, it's funny that the AJ Fernandez came up, but it's hard to get away from that guy right now. Well, he's, like he's everywhere he's and he's everywhere awesome. And he's so good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I mean, and he's just, he's just become, and I think he's really coming into his own in the industry in the last couple of years. He's just become this everywhere, everywhere, everything he touches is gold. Well, it's kind of like the Dave Grohl of the industry right, right. now or something. Yeah, absolutely. It's a great, it's a great <laughs> analogy. If you think about it, a lot of these brands, Hoya de Monterey, um, uh, Romeo and Julieta, uh, that he's doing these blends for, because he's got his own line of cigars and they're all fantastic. Uh, but he's doing these blends for brands that are very established, sell tons of cigars, but aren't known for the type of cigars that AJ does. So the market, you know, shifts and evolves, mm -hmm. and there's become more demand for the type of stuff that AJ does. That's medium to full, and and using uh, you know Nicaraguan tobacco instead of Dominican, and. Um, I think it's just really smart of these companies, rather than going, okay, we made a Nicaraguan one, which some of them have done, and some of those are very good. But to reach out to somebody who's really an expert in this area and say, will you blend our Nicaraguan cigars? Well, you know? not only not only that, but kudos to the companies that are long established that are willing to do this, because right. the truth of the matter is the industry and, and the flavor of the industry does change over time. You know? Sure. Like, uh, you know, at one point in time, Candela was the preferred Right, uh, Candela was the preferred rapper, that's uh, right. and that's not true anymore. So, so these things happen. And if you're a, if you're an industry if you're an industry giant like uh, Romeo Huleta, you don't actually have to change anything. Right, you're going to sell you, a ton. You're going to sell anyway. cigars mm -hmm. whether you innovate Your name or you is just sit back as, and stale. As long as your cigars don't like fall off. Right, you know the the quality uh, ledge. Right, you're going to be fine. You know? Well, and the same thing with with punch and with mm -hmm. uh, oil and uh, like a lot of these are so established that. Uh, but it's really a really a neat idea that uh, they're going. Hey, let's do a collaboration. Let's push what we do and let's go outside of our box. Yeah, maybe outside of our comfort zone. I yeah. think I, you know this happens in the beer industry now too. Is uh, is Guinness one of the most long established yep. beer companies in the world? Didn't have to make. Any other kind of beer, but now they make a ton of different beers because they're crafty, right? And they're being crafty, and they go, you know what? The the industry is crafty. Let's be crafty. I think it's awesome, and all their beers are good. So, what is the uh, craft beer industry going to look like post COVID nineteen? We'll talk about that. Some new information has come out that might help us take a good look at that. Plus, we'll be doing some craft beer tasting from Austin Beer Works. We'll be tasting their Peacemaker Anytime Ale. Uh, we'll be tasting Mike's Pillow. From Junkyard Brewing, it's a New England-style double IPA, and we'll be tasting White Elm Brewing's company, White Elm Brewing Company's Champurado. 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 
white, nice. white boy pronunciation, Champarado. <laughs> Champarado. Um, uh, it's an imperial stout, and so we'll be cha- uh, tasting that one as well. Uh, all of that plus the Colombian rum from Dictador, the 12-year ultra premium. So we'll be doing all of that, and uh, also drinking news will be on the way very soon. Thank you for joining us for Smoking and Toasting, show number 189. Halfway to 200. Halfway to 200. We'll be right back. Welcome back. It's smoking and Toasting. This is the program that is all about craft beer, fine spirits, and hand-rolled cigars. We'll be uh, talking about all of those things as the show rolls on. A little craft beer on the way uh, momentarily. Ian, let me share this new list with you uh, from our friends at Cigar Aficionado. I call them our friends. I don't. We don't know any of them personally. Uh, but I enjoy reading but they their seem magazine. All right. I like yeah. their publication. I enjoy reading their magazine. <laughs> uh, they uh, released something r- recently that I thought was worth uh, mentioning. It's a a list of eight great smokes for the uh, for the summer. Is it eight? Right I'm sorry. Now. Fifteen great f- smokes for the summer that are under eight bucks. Ah, I was like, okay, nice. this is good because you know a lot of times when you're reading their review of a cigar, you're like, oh, okay, that looks really good. Oh, yeah, of course it is. The retail price is twenty four dollars, you know, or whatever, you know. Right, right. So, so it's good to it's uh, you know for somebody somebody like me uh, that I like to smoke, you know, fairly often. Uh, it's good to find cigars that are not quite as well, expensive. It's, as It's those. nice to have a list because uh, I mean, come on, you're a cigar aficionado, so a lot of times when they put up those lists of these are great cigars, you must try. Sometimes you just can't get those cigars. Yeah, right. You can't find them or, or they're, they're or cost they're prohibitive too or expensive, something yes. like that. So this is actually yeah. kind of a cool so, take. Yeah. So here's a list uh, coming in at $7. The Flor de las Antillas Bellacosto. This is um, put together by Jose Pepin Garcia from uh, My Father. And this is their uh, tribute to the birth country of Cuba. And uh, Antilles, or Antilles, the Greater Antilles, uh, is uh, is where they're from. They're uh, featuring a sun-grown wrapper and a trademark double binder, and it's box-pressed, and it's hardy, and it makes the list at $7.70 suggested retail. The Casa Magna Jalapa Claro Toro uh. box press. It's a Nicaraguan cigar as well. Uh, list price is $7.20. Uh, it's a joint creation between Manuel Casada and the Placencia family. So you've got some some good right. cigar genes yeah, going into yeah. this one. Uh, and they did a really nice job. Um, and you can find this article, by the way, in Cigar Aficionado if you want to explore the tasting notes a little more uh, specifically on any of these. The Hoya Black Double Robusto, also a Nicaraguan cigar, mm-hmm. uh, coming in at seven eighty. It's a thick Robusto with a powerful and earthy smoke, a part of the Hoya Black line, which was created as a follow-up to the Hoya Reds. I bought a box of those. Oh, yeah. So good. <laughs> now, it, when we spoke about cigars last time, you were down to like not a lot in your humidor, and they were all like really expensive smokes. Have you restocked? Yes, yes, okay. I restocked. Well, I looked. Ac- I looked across. Uh, first off, at Casa, mm-hmm. uh, they had a, um, a sale rack, and I, I thought it was a sale table, and I thought it was kind of funny because I was seeing cigars on there that you would never see on clearance. And right. I talked to Steve, and I said, "What's the deal?" He goes, "It's not that." It's not that any of these cigars are bad, or that you know a lot of them aren't that old. He goes, the problem is some of the sizes don't move. Oh, so maybe the robusto sells, but the uh, but uh, so the I got the, I got the uh, yeah. the Coronas. Okay, 
And uh, and apparently they they just that size doesn't move. Well, they're great. And which one way. did you get? The the Corona, the Hoyo Black, the Hoyo Black. Nice, yeah, the Corona. Nice. And I got a box cigars. of them for for uh, very mm-hmm. inexpensive. So I got that in my drawer, and uh, and I went by um, uh, I went by um, uh, Galveston Island Cigar Lounge the other mm-hmm. evening. Our buddy Alan did you there? Yeah. So and he wasn't there, about. but I hung out. <laughs> But I hung out with Double D, yeah. who works there on the rare occasion that Alan isn't there. Yeah. So, uh, so I, you know, sat and had a cigar with him, and then grabbed a few on my way out. That's where I got that uh, Superfly. Nice. That I uh, uh, talked about. So I actually have put a few in the humidor now. It's really nice to have a couple. But yeah. that Hoyo Black is so good. Yeah, that's good stuff. That is just good yeah. stuff. Uh, the Mbombe or Mbombe Habano Corona. It's a Costa Rican cigar. Uh, Seven dollars and forty nine cents. The only cigar on the list that was uh, made in Costa Rica, which is actually kind of a rarity in the handmade cigar industry. It has an uncut foot, an Ecuadorian wrapper, and binder and fillers from uh, Nicaragua Which one and was Peru. it? It's the Mbombe, or Mbombe, capital M, capital B, yeah, yeah, I got Mbombe, the, I got the... Habano Corona. Oh, okay, because I did the classic uh, the classic Robusto last week is what I talked about. And you about. liked that, as yeah, I it Yeah, it was good. Yeah, it was good. The 7-20-4 Hustler Series Dog Walker. Uh, it's a $6.50 cigar. Uh, it's rolled with two alternating cover leaves, one light and one dark, giving it the barber pole effect. Stronger than it looks, they say, uh, with Brazilian Matafina and Ecuadorian Connecticut shade wrapper, a Costa Rican binder, and Nicaraguan and Honduran filler. That makes the list, and there are several more here. Arturo Fuente Hemingway's short story Maduro, $7.55. Yeah. Yep. E.P. Carrillo's Dusk. Robusto. Yes. I like the Dusk very much. Uh, it's from the Dominican, but comes in. E.P. is another one of those. It's hard, it's hard to get anything bad by him. That's like, right. I mean, everything he's he's making is great. The La Galera Connecticut Cepo, C-E-P-O. Mm-hmm. Uh, this one from the Dominican Republic. This cigar is $3.80. The least expensive cigar on the list. It's a 5 by 38 a slender Corona with a pigtail cap, originally uh, created by Jose Blanco. So uh, it's... Uh, it's got a pedigree of its own. Uh, the Romeo and Julieta Reserve Robusto. Uh, this is the one with the kind of brownish um, uh, band on it, uh-huh. uh, and it's a fairly uh, new release from uh, Romeo and Julieta. It's $6.60, uh, Nicaraguan wrapper and binder, and filler from Nicaragua and Honduras. Undercrown's Maduro Corona Pequeña at $5.50, released in February of this year. It's a 4-inch by 44 ring gauge, packs a lot of punch with a Mexican San Andreas wrapper. Underground. Um, underground is is good stuff. La Flor Dominicana, the 1994 Tango at $7.50. The Nat Ciso, C-I-C-C-O, Anniversario, 1965 Liga Number no. 4, Robusto Grande. That's a long name. Uh, it's Nicaraguan. It's $7.25, and it is highly recommended. The San Lotano Requiem, Connecticut Churchill, one of AJ's uh, smokes. At $7.80. Uh, the Villager La Meridiana Corona, a Nicaraguan smoke at $6.50. And the Ilusone Fuma de Amor Lagunas. Uh, the name translates to The Smoke of Love. Nice. <laughs> I like it. Uh, it was made by Agonor's Leaf, and it is Nicaraguan, and it's $7.50. So there's your list of uh, 15 cigars I that are love, under 8 bucks. I love that list, and I love lists like that. You know, we've, we've talked about our favorite lawnmower cigars, mm-hmm. and our lawnmowers are mm-hmm. the ones, you know, the the under $5 cigars that you can smoke anytime, and you don't really have to put a lot of thought into it or 
worry if it goes out because you're doing right. like well, mowing the lawn. Or you're or mowing the lawn yeah. and you get finished before you're finished with the cigar and you don't have time to finish. It's like, okay. <laughs> right, yeah. right. So, uh, But I love a list like that that is, is good, affordable uh, mm-hmm. cigars because, you know, for so for the occasional smoker, you have two kinds. you got the kind that's not going to spend a lot of money on a cigar because they don't smoke that often anyway. Mm-hmm. you got the kind who go, I'm going to spend a lot. Right. And that... That right there is for for the guy you know who like doesn't know what to get into. You got a great price point. I don't know. And your awesome. price your price may vary, by the way, especially if you're in New York. Yes. Oh yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. Or California. Big time. Big time. Uh, Ian, I, w- I want to put a, a, a short uh, a shout out. I got Trey Boring watching us. Uh, what's up, Trey? You yeah, man. he said, "What's up, uh, Cigar for Warriors?" Uh, out there for um, if you guys get a chance to look up Cigar for Warriors, you can donate cigars uh, to the cause. It sends out. Uh, uh, fresh uh, sticks to our uh, to our men and women forces in the armed forces out in the stationed field. Yes. Uh, elsewhere where they may not be able to get cigars. Yes, which is a, yes. it's a wonderful places. thing. And and don't you know how exciting it is for them when the box arrives? Yeah, that's you know? got to be amazing. Oh, that's got to be the couple, high point. A couple of the other week. quick highlights: we got Howard Sandler watching. Hi, What's Howard. Up, Howard. We got John Egan. Looks like he's joining in watching us. Hi, and Manny but, from El Cubano. And by the way, that's John on the Smoking and Toasting theme song. Yes, at that the is. Beginning that's, of the that's, show, his, so. that's his voice that you he's hear. Wonderful. That's pretty amazing. He's wonderful. Uh, Ian, I think it's time to drink. Let's uh, open up the Peacemaker <laughs> Ale. Slow down, there. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that didn't take you long to uh, right. uh, to buy in. Uh, Austin Ale Works is a or Austin Beer Works rather. Uh, is a um, it's a brewery I've been familiar with since back when I actually used to go to South by Southwest. That would always be one of my things is to find a uh, a bar that had plenty of these in stock or right. or, or on tap and and enjoy some of their uh, some of their beers because I've always thought they made really good beers and they're all over the place in Austin. You can now find them. Um, and a lot of other places the, as the well. The artwork on this is is really really simplistic. And most but of their very, cans are very much like this. The yes. color scheme will change. Uh, it's but very not simple a whole with the A and kind of a gold drop with a star underneath it. Mm-hmm. Um, but that it's very distinctive yeah, that, in, in its simplicity, and it's it's really easy to see when you walk into a shop that has a bunch of craft beers. Whether this one these stands out yep, because absolutely. it's just such a it's so simple and straightforward. Simple, yeah. And straightforward. Yeah, uh, it's this is their Peacemaker Anytime Ale. I think it's around four to have five percent. It's five point one. Okay, five point one percent. It smells great, by the way. It yeah. smells like it smells like sweet. It's got dough. a little, it's got a little bit of yeastiness on yeah, the yeah. It smells uh, like on, sweet on the bread nose, dough almost. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I don't know what to expect. It doesn't list as an uh, as an amber or a. And it, a, it tastes like a, a wonderful malty pretzel. It's oh so yeah, I was going to say it's got that baked bread vibe to yeah. it, but pretzel oh, is man. even pretzel is even yeah, more this accurate. This has got this has got that. Mm. Oh yeah. I bet this would be great with pretzels. You know? Yes. Oh, can you imagine <laughs> with the with the mustard, doughy ones? The, you know. Yeah. 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 That's very nice. Um, it's got a lot of flavor to it. It's a, definitely a lighter beer in, in terms of its mouthfeel and its refreshingness. Uh, so it's not like a heavier, you know, uh, American ale or an IPA or something like that. But it's it's um, it's very tasty though. It's reminiscent a little bit of a um, of a fat tire mm-hmm. when you get fat tire nice and fresh. Yes. Yes. It has it has some of that uh, some of that kind of flavor. So if you're into fat tire, you should definitely try this one. Mm-hmm. Um, and I always love you know good fresh fat tire. This this is one I'll be picking up from now on. Though. Yeah. This is delicious. It's it's really good and a, a very I would say a very good summer beer too. Because in the summer yeah. you're you're often looking for things that are very refreshing, but you want to do that without having to sacrifice. Yeah, flavor. this has got just enough hops to finish the the beer nice and crisp. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and 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 not make it you know a sweet finish. It gives it just a touch, just a snap of bitter onion. I really, yeah, really got, like this. Got that tiny bit of hop on the finish. Yeah, just a little bit. But up front, man, it's all about the malt yeah. and the and it's not it's not malt like a you know sometimes we try um, beers that are very malty and they've got a bit of a heavier uh, tone to them like yeah. some of the Bavarian uh, ales and things like that. this one's a little bit lighter than that overall in how it hits the palate, right. but it's still got plenty of malt. Well, this one is not as round up front as like Gutentag. But right. Gutentag also finishes a lot sweeter than this, and this has that crispier right. thing. So this, this has that more hoppy finish to yeah. it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's a good beer. Austin yep. uh, Austin Beer Works is a, a good. I've never visited those guys, but that, I haven't either. That would be a great road trip, I would think. There's I'm, I'm, there's so many. You great, don't have to twist my arm for that. So one. many great uh, breweries in Austin, and I hope that they're doing well. We'll take a look uh, coming up in the next segment at how. Um, the cigar industry, uh, I'm sorry, not the cigar industry, but how the craft beer industry is poised to look as we begin slowly to come out of uh, of quarantine and what what it's done so far and what you can expect. And I, I've been, you know, I've been really concerned about this because I don't want to see some of my favorite breweries reach the point where they can't continue to operate yeah. and do yeah. just as we were getting to this renaissance everywhere of new amazing breweries, yeah. beers. Um, I, I hate to see that uh, slow down. So we'll we'll take a look in uh, one of the next segments at what that's going to look like. Plus, drinking news is on the way, and cigar factories are reopening around the world. We'll tell you about all of that. Plus, coming up next, and, and I just want to show this to you as we're ending this segment, because this is what we're going to be sampling. It may take me a minute to pull this out of my bag. <laughs> you're digging deep. And I'll tell you why in a moment. That bag's interesting. It's like you're into it up to your elbow there. Yeah, and I'm going to have to actually Oh, you have to actually get, get out, out of the chair... And get really into the bag. Are you pulling a rabbit out of there? What's what's going on over there? Do, do you need magical words? The next beer we're going to sample. <laughs> Show that bad boy to the camera. It's the oil can. Yeah. Have you seen one of those before? Well, they used to sell. Uh, what's the one? Uh, uh, the Heinekens used to. Fosters. Come oh, and Fosters. Fosters yes. used to have the oil can, right? Yeah, there there yeah. were a couple of them that had the oil yeah. can. That's well, a huge is, can. Uh, this is like a uh, a bomber in a can, and we'll be getting to that next. Says the Mike's uh, Pillow. Uh, the Junkyard Brewing Mike's Pillow. It's a New England style IPA. We'll be tasting that. Bruce coming Stark chimed in. Says, "Watching in the car. Stop it, Bruce. Listen in the car. <laughs> yes. Drive your car. Yes, exactly. <laughs> we don't want to be responsible. We'll be right back." Welcome back. It's smoking and toasting, and this is the program that's all about craft beer, fine spirits, and hand rolled cigars. Uh, big up to my uh, friend Steve, who's watching again. Stephen Richardson, what's up, brother? Uh, nice to have everybody who watches us on Facebook. There's a lot of ways you can get the show. Uh, you can uh, see it when we do it. We live do it on Facebook. One yeah. o'clock Central Time Thursdays. We are live on Facebook Live, and then you can see it in our in our feed mm -hmm. after that. The sort of recorded version of it. Uh, it also appears on all the major podcast uh, networks. 
Um, we haven't been bought for $140 million by Spotify like Joe Rogan. Yet. But, but yeah, you know, the, the day is young. Uh, and uh, But you can't see it on... Uh, I mean, I'll just, I'll just take one. Yeah. One, one, one million would do it for you? Yeah. yeah. You're not a greedy man. Yeah, I, I, like I have that a price. And, I know. like that about you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we are, of course, on uh, the Apple Podcast Network. We're on uh, Google Play. Uh, we're on SoundCloud. We're on TuneIn. We're on uh, Stitcher. Uh, yeah. And then you, of course, can find the video version of the show on YouTube. Everybody. On YouTube, so, yeah. And yeah. if you guys get a chance, uh, even if you don't ever watch the video, go on there and hit like and yes. subscribe. Please, just we'd we appreciate like it. And there are also, we're going to start chopping these into, uh, I've got uh, already a few of them uh, getting just about ready. We're going to start chopping these segments up so they're a little more consumable and in a 10-minute-ish range. So uh, look for that coming up. Right, so up. if you just wanted to see what we thought about a particular cigar. Right, right. If you're like, man, uh, there was a show a couple weeks ago that had this on there. You'll soon be what able did to they just say search about that right, exactly. and just watch that segment instead of having to watch the whole show. And we'll in have the meantime, that up and run the whole show will be up as well if you yes, want to just kind of put it on. You know, a lot of people use it as Ian has pointed out for you know like background, rom- romantic yeah, yeah. background. Yeah, but you, man, you get a nice romantic dinner. You've yeah. got your you've got your put rack your smoking of and lamb, toasting on, smoking and yeah. toasting in the background. <laughs> you know, sets yes. the mood. Yes, it does. All right, my friends, it's time. Okay, so here's what I'm going to do. I've asked no, no, not time for oh. that yet. Uh, I've asked Ian. Ian keeps reaching for the uh, for the oil can. It's so big. Uh, uh, I've asked Ian to come up with some music for this, and uh, he hasn't had a chance to do it yet, and that's fine. But I'm gonna I'm gonna spur him along by uh, between now and the time that you actually do come up with some music for the drinking news segment for an intro. Uh-huh. I'm going to sing my own intro to drinking news because <laughs> I figure if there's anything I could do to move it along, it would be to sing. Drinking news, drinking news. Now it's time for drinking news. You really want to hear that every week? All right, all right you got to do that again because I'm going to harmonize with you. Ready? All right, ready? And Two. Drinking news, drinking news. Now it's no, don't time match for- me. You gotta, we got oh. we got to harmonize. Drinking, drinking news, drinking news. See, now we got Now harmony. it's time for drinking news. Okay, yeah, we're, we're killing it there. Yeah, uh, we are. I, it's, uh, please hurry and we'll, come up. We'll with be something. in your town soon. Yeah. <laughs> Because we're getting kicked out of this one. <laughs> fortunately, <laughs> fortunately, uh, you'll be drinking and it won't matter. Uh, drinking News <laughs> is a segment on the show where we bring you uh, just something that was uh, in the news, hopefully in the last week or so. And uh, it may or may not have anything to do with drinking, but it's fun to hear about while you were drinking. And since our drinking has begun, and Ian's now going to open the oil can and uh, continue our drinking with the Junkyard Brewing Mike's Pillow. Go ahead. Um, I'll pass along the drinking news. I love that. I'm just going to have one beer. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> uh, uh, and I want to hear what this sounds like when you open it. Ooh. Did that feel bigger to yes, you than it, usual? It has a deeper voice. Yeah, uh, I believe it does. A little more resonance. Um, a Finnish baker, a uh, bakery in Finland. You can fit like 15 speed holes around the top of this, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> I would love to see you shotgun that one. <laughs> that would be quite a feat. Um, a quick-thinking bakery in Helsinki, Finland has saved itself from financial ruin during the coronavirus crisis by creating and selling a cake that looks like a toilet paper roll. Now, in fairness, they're not the only one. There's bakeries doing this all over the country. But I think I've given uh, Adam a photo that he can show you. The dismayed staff at this particular bakery found all of their orders canceled last month Last month, at the same time that panicked customers started hoarding toilet paper rolls. So that sparked the idea of a toilet roll cake made of oat, butter, passion fruit mousse, and covered with white fondant. The first five cakes sold within an hour. 
uh, and the cake became a social media hit. They've now had hundreds and hundreds of orders, and they've even been able to hire two extra people to help them uh, continue to put this. I love the toilet the- roll, uh, toilet paper roll cake. And I don't even know if the photos that we're showing you are of the ones from this bakery because I went on looking for images, and apparently there's tons of bakeries doing these all over the place. Well, just just for those of you who uh, actually don't watch this and only listen to it, Josh, um, it, it's a it's a roll of it's it looks like a toilet paper roll. It says "crap happens, roll with it." Yeah, and then sitting around the toilet paper are some brown cupcakes with smiley faces that look and very we know much what like, they look like. Yeah, they look very much like poo. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so I don't know if this is your Someone's thing or not. Got a crappy not, sense of humor, but you should be able to find one of these if you uh, if you want one. Uh, but the only thing is, hopefully, you've actually got real toilet paper as well, because this won't work for that particular usage. This you will uh, have to eat. So Mike's Pillow is a uh, release from Junkyard Brewing in uh, Minnesota. I'm going to look and see exactly where it's uh, exactly where it's from. It is from. It is from uh, Minnesota. I didn't write it down. Does this? I know it's from Minnesota. Does it say <laughs> this there? Is, hold on, let me find it. Um, it is eight percent, by the way. It is from. Mm-hmm. Oh wait, brewed and packaged by Junkyard Brewing Company at Moorhead, Minnesota. Moorhead, Minnesota. Okay. More, um, yeah. it's That's kind of sneaky on there. It's, yeah. So this is basically the equivalent of a bomber, right? In terms of size. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is this is a pretty big can. This is it's it's definitely um it definitely has an IPA vibe to it. I'm expecting it to be citrusy based on the nose. Oh, uh, you haven't tried it yet. Well, actually I have. Uh, let me uh, let me uh, tell you that um just I I got two of these and just uh before all the virus stuff uh, happened um, Adam and uh, his wife and his uh, brother Aaron came over, and usually when they come over, I'll open a bomber of something, and uh-huh. we'll all try it together. And I decided to go with this one, so I I have sampled this before, but it has been a while now, and so I'm I'm what, remembering that I like. I, liked I it. will tell you if you have another one of these at the house, I mm-hmm. will shotgun it. <laughs> I ain't scared. You have just I, I don't think I do, but you've now challenged me to find another one. Because that could be a show segment in and of itself. <laughs> welcome, welcome to segment four when Ian shotguns the oil can. This, by the way, will be our last segment. <laughs> yeah. So, have you tasted this? What do you think? I have. This is actually quite polarizing. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I smelled it, and it smells like a malty IPA, which is mm-hmm. really kind of weird. Kind of a contradiction in terms. Yeah, a little almost, bit, yeah. a little bit. Um, it smells like. So I kind of I didn't realize it was a double until I looked at it. So I kind of suspected that right off the bat. The flavor on this, yeah. Um, the first sip was striking. I expected one thing from the uh, from the nose, and I got a completely other thing. It has a jelly like flavor. That's a to good the way finish. to say it. Yes, um, and like almost a marmalade, like kind an of orange marmalade uh, kind or, of finish or to it. It's marmalade. orangey. It's hazy orangey, but it's bigger than that, and it's it's very marmalade kind of. Uh, it's sweeter than I would expect mm-hmm. it. You know, I kind of like sweet beers anyway. This one really kind of it took me a second and and a couple sips to go okay I really like that that's so I was expecting I think when I tried it uh, I I was expecting it to be citrusy but I was expecting more of a hop presence and the hop presence for a double IPA I mean you can tell it's big yeah but it's not big because it's just drowning in hops well you know what I mean but here's the other thing too like a lot of big IPAs or double IPAs even. 
And you that you can smell that hops from a mile away, and also when it finishes, it's just this hop. When it leaves you with that hop. That huge right. hop thing. This doesn't finish with the hops. This no. finishes with that candied marmalade kind of sweetness. It's a very different. The hop is actually on the front of the tongue, which is very mm-hmm. backwards in, in my mind about what I would expect it to be. So what, what you're saying is that you would, in fact, shotgun one of these. Yes. Okay. Challenge accepted. Right. I'm going to find another one. I don't know. I, I believe this may have been a limited release, so I don't know how hard it'll be to find another one. But I'm going to do my best, and if I can get a hold of another one, that will be the that will be the closing segment on one of our shows. Okay, we can make it happen. 750 yeah. mils of an eight percent IPA. Yeah, you're driving. So that's that's basically the equivalent of a wine bottle in a in a can, right? Yes. So that's that's a lot of IPA. That is. <laughs> Uh, but you like it. That's uh, I'm always thrilled when I can bring an IPA on the show. And you well, like there's it. a couple things that I like about it too. It's not overly carbonated. Like it had a lot of head to the uh, to the mm-hmm. pour, mm-hmm. but it's not overly carbonated. In the mouthfeel, though, it's not that. Yeah, carbonated. it's really yeah. not. This this has this has a, a like it's not barrel aged, but it has that barrel aged mouthfeel to it. Uh, like the way the way that you lose some of the carbonation and 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 it's real smooth and kind of sweet. I, I dig it. So they call it Mike's Pillow, and it's got a little bit of that pillowy, almost creaminess mm-hmm. to it, which for a double IPA, I think, is, sherbet is almost saying too. something. Yeah. Ooh, yes, yes, you kind of nailed that. Sherbet marmalade. That orange sherbet. Yeah. But in a very good way. All right, that that is a can worth checking out if you can find one. It is from Junkyard Brewing, Moorhead, Minnesota, and it's... Uh, what do you know? It's real good. Mike's pillow. You know, here's an idea, by the way. Yeah. If you guys want to, uh, if you guys out there listening or watching this want to put down in the comments, like a beer that you've seen but haven't tried and want us to figure it out. Oh, yeah. Put it down there. Yeah. We'll do our best to get a hold absolutely, of it. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Speaking of uh, beer, we'll be trying a uh, White Elm Brewing Company Champurado Imperial Stout before the show is over. And we're, uh, when we come back, we'll be. Uh, We'll be going the spirits direction to do the Dictador 12-year Ultra Premium Reserve Colombian Rum. Plus, uh, as promised, what the uh, what the craft beer industry is going to look like post-COVID. A little uh, a little look ahead, and um, we also will tell you about the Florida representatives who are urging the president to drop the impending uh, cigar regulations based on the uh, based on the COVID situation. We'll see how much luck they have with that, and we'll be right back. It's smoking and toasting. And we appreciate you being here for show number 189. That sounds like they should have a... <laughs> right, nice. Welcome back. It's Smoking and Toasting. We are uh, bringing you show number 189. All music used by permission, by the way. Um, Yes, sir. Uh, It's show number 189. We are brought to you by B&B Butchers and Restaurant at 1814 Washington Ave in Houston and in the shops at Clear Fork in Fort Worth, BB Italia on Memorial in Houston and BB Lemon on Washington Ave as well as the Annie Cafe and Bar on Post Oak Boulevard in Houston. If you are not from Houston but you visit our fair city, um, because we have lots of people, uh, you know, we have lots of people in Houston that are, you know, followers of the show, but we have 
way more people outside of Houston. Yes. So, uh, so if you're if you're visiting our fair city for any reason, try to check one of those restaurants out. Especially, I just have to say, the bacon at B and B. It's just it's something you will write home about. The it, bacon. I'm telling you, you may not have sat down and written a letter to home in a long time, but you will write home about the bacon. It's that you know, uh, I will be I will be going by there in the next. Uh, in the next little bit to pick up that Chef Tommy kit. I really, really got to try that <laughs> at home. Mm-hmm. I've only had the bacon there. I've never tried to take it home. So and you got to tell me how good of a job you can do at home with the kit of actually recreating the experience that is Chef Tommy's bacon. <laughs> so because good. Because that's so good. It really is. And also, you should probably let me know what time it will be ready. What time? What time so the- that uh, I can just happen to be in. Hey, hey. I'm in the neighborhood. Mind if I swing by? I'm uh, in your driveway. Yeah, and yeah, and by in the neighborhood, I mean I'm on your porch. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, about about to knock there. Uh, yeah, that's, that's the way it is going to work. So often when you find... Uh, senators or representatives that are appealing to the government um, in support of the tobacco industry, the cigar industry, they will often be from Florida because Florida is a state where yeah. uh, there's a lot. Tobacco business does drive a yes. lot of the uh, economy there. There's you know all the stuff that's going. All the, the whole Ybor companies City. that are home there. There's Ebor City, Cigar City, sure, absolutely. Is, you know, Rocky what... Patel is located right, there. There's right. a number of things. So it's a big part of uh, of the revenue. Mm-hmm. of uh, the state of Florida. And in response to the economic downturn caused by uh, the coronavirus pandemic, a dozen representatives from Florida have signed and sent a letter to President Donald Trump urging the administration to eliminate what they call, and I'm quoting here, onerous job-killing regulations that threaten the livelihood of small retail cigar shops and cigar Excuse me, cigar manufacturers. Uh, The letter, which was signed by nearly all of Florida Republicans who are members of the House of Representatives, argues that the burdensome regulations should be examined through the lens of the administration's Executive Order 13924. It was announced on May 19th, and it addressed a wide range of concerns while calling for agencies to reexamine their regulations in hopes of boosting the economy that's been hit hard by Mm -hmm. uh, the coronavirus pandemic. So they're saying, yeah, here's some regulations that really should be examined because they're going to have a chilling effect on an industry which is already, you know, having its own chilling effect, you know, based on the virus. And and look, we know virtually, uh, unless you're Amazon or Netflix, uh, you've had a chilling, you know, impact from yeah. this thing on your uh, on your businesses. Yeah, the only, only businesses booming right now are the the Amazon, Netflix, and bicycle shops. Right, bicycle and shops. Good for bicycle yes. shops. You, uh, you know? know, down uh, by my building downtown, they've totally installed a new bike lane. Uh, yeah, there, yeah. I think there's a lot of anticipation that there's going to be a lot more bike riding in in cities um, uh, as people go. Yeah, I don't know if I really want to get on the bus. You well, know so I, mean? I think I think you know we were talking about what's the new norm coming mm-hmm. up here. Okay, right. I think a couple things are going to happen from this. A lot of people are probably finding out that they can work from home, right? And and be effective and right and do so. Uh, I have read that as much you know, as a fourth of the workforce is not expected to go back into yeah. the office. The other thing is, uh, there's a huge boom in bicycling right now. It's Absolute huge bicycle renaissance going on right now because this so many people thing. had way, Europe's way ahead of us on this. Yes, you know? and so many people had not much to do, and I, I can only assume that they and I ride my bike avidly. Like you're, I, yeah, I ride all the time. My road bike, my mountain bike, 
Um, but I can only assume that a bunch of people were like, you know, I'm going to get outside and do something. A bicycle sounds fun because a bicycle is fun. Yes, you know? it is. Walking's nice. And it's nice to be fun. out in the in the outdoor air and right. and, uh, and, and if the you, sun. And if you already know how to ride a bike, there's no there's no joint impact or anything like that. It's really you know it's aerobic, but yeah. there's no but impact it's good for you. And it's good for you. And so, so a bunch of people got out on their bikes and go, oh. Maybe I shouldn't be such an asshole when I'm driving. <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm sure there's a bunch of that. But yeah. anyway, or, or the guy in the car going, well, I don't ride my bike like that. Look at that. Anyway, but I, that, that's neither here nor there. But I, it's it's such a huge thing. And so I'm thinking that maybe traffic might come down a little bit because people might be riding bikes a little bit more. Yeah, that's be. a great thing. I do know? think traffic is not going to be as bad as it was. When you combine the people who will be working from home with people who've shifted to bikes or other forms of transportation. Now, I'll tell you, here in Houston, in the last – like it seems like the last four to five years, traffic just keeps ramping up mm-hmm. and up and up, and it's gotten to the point where it's hard to drive anywhere. Yeah, I mean, when there is no traffic in Houston, everything is an hour away, right? Forty minutes away, and now you got traffic. That's cr- the, like the amount of traffic's crazy. I get it. I yeah. get it. And it's been like that. You know, in Europe, they've been using bicycles uh, as a primary mode of transportation for years and years and years, and it's uh, it helps keep the yeah. traffic. You know, reduce somewhat in a lot of European cities as well. So uh, yeah, so here's hoping. Uh, bike's a good thing, uh, but if you're going to bike to your favorite brewery, make sure that you have the ability to walk your bike home if necessary. Well, keep in mind that your bicycle is legally a vehicle. That's right. Even though most other vehicles don't think of you that way, you mm-hmm. are beholden to all the same laws as when you're driving. And there are some Ubers and cabs that'll be able to put your bike in the back and get you home. So just. Get a big enough one. You'll, you'll be okay. <laughs> you'll be okay. Um, uh, very excited about tasting our rum uh, today, Ian. This is a Dictador. It is a 12-year uh, aged, and for rum, that's fairly long time. I mean, you That's a long time when, on rum. When you drink a rum that is eight years old, aged for eight years, you're getting a pretty old rum. Anytime you're north of eight, you're starting to get into the ultra premium. It says uh, ultra premium reserve well, right here. Of course, if, so if it says that, we we might as well believe them. But I, I'm real interested to see uh, what you think of this because this is a Colombian rum, and I'm not sure if we've done a Colombian rum on the show before. A lot, rums come from a lot of different Central American uh, locations, every place from Panama to Jamaica to. Ooh, nice. It uh, were from Panama to Jamaica to. Um, uh, St. Lucia, a lot of different places. So this one is from Colombia. Uh, you you took a little uh, sniff of the nose right off of the bottle. What'd yeah, you think? right off the right off the top of my nose there. It had a very maple, mm-hmm. uh, maple and brown sugar and tobacco. Yeah, that's interesting. Like like right off the nose, like a tobacco, almost like a cigar tobacco. Yeah. Yes. You can definitely like get tobacco that on and the nose. tea leaf, like right yeah. off the nose. Mm-hmm. Tobacco and tea leaf, and and you're right. There is some maple on the oh, nose. Oh, definitely as well. maple. Like it, uh, like almost like a maple syrup. Yes. Almost like you're sniffing a maple yes. syrup. Yes, very much. Except the tobacco uh, notes and the with some brown tea sugar behind it well. with tobacco and tea notes. I really, I really love the nose. On a this little thing. minerality going on in there, mm-hmm. just on yes. the uh, nose. Really do love the nose on this thing. Mm. I mean, this could <laughs> this. This has a, an almost like a gingerbread cake kind of smell to it. So as well. I'm I'm waiting and expecting you to say one word after you taste it. Let's see if it's the one word that I would say. I want to put this over pancakes. <laughs> 
Well, that was more than one word, but I was waiting for you to say butterscotch. Yeah, butterscotch. Butterscotch. This tastes like um, this tastes like uh, maple syrup with butterscotch and rum. This rum good. <laughs> it's <laughs> this is syrupy, wonderful. Like yes. I don't mean syrupy in the way that it's like not syrupy in consistency. In consistency. Yeah. But it tastes like maple syrup with butterscotch. With uh, I, I really like this would go amazing with pancakes. One of the things that I have discovered, and this is a rum, I'm, waffles. This is a rum I'm actually familiar with, so this is not my first time to taste it. But uh, and you figured that out by the way oh. when you lifted the bottle. There's uh, that in the very end of the taste. There's that mm-hmm. oak yes. char and yes. astringency right uh-huh. there. That's really nice. The aging uh, in, in yeah. the wood it definitely brings that to you. Um, what I have found about this rum is that it's got a real sort of a butterscotch quality to it when you first uh, begin to drink it. And that's not off. Um, butterscotch is not one of my favorite flavors, but it's not off-putting to me. Like, it's because it's not too sweet uh, the way it comes across in this flavor mix. But I've discovered that as you have more and more sips of this, the butterscotch kind of dies down, and it just becomes this maple syrup wonderful uh concoction yeah it's a really good rum to sip throughout an evening let's just say really good well with the maple syrup connotation it's a great morning rum (laughs) (laughs) is there a bad time of the day really for rum Uh, i'm not sure that there is i'm not sure no you know this this is one of those you know we all have those times where you go you know what's for dinner tonight breakfast Mm, mm. breakfast for dinner is a thing yes in fact Interesting that you say that because my wife did that last night. She made <laughs> eggs and bacon for dinner, and it was delicious. Yeah, man, sometimes it's the right. And yeah. you always feel like you're getting away with something. And I should have had you some. Know? Yes, right. <laughs> you're, you're 100% right. It's not quite you always feel like, yeah, I probably shouldn't be doing this, but darn it, it's fun. Um, this this is the next time. This is The next time you do uh, yeah, breakfast, breakfast for dinner, for dinner this you is totally should go this way. Yeah. Uh, this is the 12-year. There is, I believe... There is one uh, age uh, group higher than this in the Dictador line, and I'm not looking at my I don't I don't have it in my notes. But I believe it's an 18, uh, and I have wow. not tasted that. So that would what be is very a, what does about all this 12 go for? Uh, it's it's uh, in the 30 dollar range. Wow, really? Yeah, yeah, it's in the 30 to 40 range. Yeah, we are directly yeah. affecting sales because I'm going to get this. My wife's going to freak out on this. It's, uh, oh, I, I would guess that your wife would like this very much. Yeah. And as we pointed out before, smoking and toasting directly influences sales. Yeah, if only because many of many times on our way home from the show, yeah. Ian and I pick up more <laughs> of the thing that we sampled. Getting a six on pack the show of that. Today. Yes. yes, exactly. Uh, I like this rum a lot. Uh, interestingly enough, my wife, who is a big rum fan, was not a big fan of this rum. And it's simply because she's she doesn't like butterscotch, so the butterscotch taste was a little off putting yeah. to her. I mean, it so. has like a classic, you know, those little hard butterscotch mm-hmm. candies that right. have the twist. That on have each the end. little yeah, the right. Little it has paper. that classic with the little yellow cellophane. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It has that classic butterscotch finish. My brother, uh, my older brother, would really, really like this. He absolutely he likes rum in the first place, and he loves butterscotch. I think that this maybe a maybe a present for him i think it's i think it's delicious yeah i think it's absolutely delicious all right we are going to take a break we'll come back in our final segment we'll be tasting the white elm brewing company's champurato the imperial stout uh from those boys and 
Uh, also, we'll be bringing you that information about uh, craft beer uh, coming out from under the coronavirus uh, and the economic impact of what that has has brought. What does it mean now? What's our future? We'll take a look at a very interesting article that reveals some of that to us. Uh, coming up next, you are listening to Smoking and Toasting. We're all about craft beer, fine spirits, and uh, oh yeah, hand rolled cigars. Oh, I need to get you a can from Mr. Burligan. That's a new tune. I like that. Welcome back. I don't know why I did that. It just seemed appropriate. That rum... Really makes it me want some waffles. It, it might have been the rum that made me do that. <laughs> it might have been. Blame it on the rum. Wasn't that a Millie Vanilli song? Blame, Blame it on the rum. <laughs> uh, welcome back. It is. Uh, it, <laughs> it's funny. I said the words Millie Vanilli, and I look as I said them. I looked over at Adam, our producer, who's a millennial, and I might as well have nothing. said Mamba da Mamba da. Like yeah. th- th- those that name meant nothing <laughs> to him. <laughs> Oh, sometimes I date myself. Hey, that was uh, that was scandalous back in the day. Oh, though. it was. It was one I, of those. I can't remember which one of them. One of them actually uh, uh, committed suicide. Well, yes, years uh, later. I don't know. I don't remember if it was Rob or Fab. Yeah, uh, but one of the two did. Well, I will tell you, I was on to them before the big reveal. I I knew that it wasn't them singing on the record. And I'll tell you why. I I went to work for a radio station. My background was in radio. Uh, some. Years I worked at rock stations, alternative stations. Some years I worked at top 40 stations. And I went to work for a radio station, uh, a, a pop radio station, during the time that Millie Vanilli was first starting to hit. And before I went there uh, to work there, they'd done a station visit with Millie Vanilli. So the, the guys had come in and met everybody. And while they were there, this all happened before I worked there. But while they were there, they'd cut one of those things that you'll hear artists say every now and then. Right. Hey, Hi, this is, this is so, so and so from station. such and such band, and you're listening to Z100, whatever. Um, so they'd cut one of those, and I remember I was playing a Millie Vanilli song one day, and so I got the cartridge that had that and played it at the beginning of the song, and it says it was it was kind of like, "Hello, this is Rob, and this is Fab." We are Mealy Vanilla. I'm like, there's no way those guys are going, I'm in love with you, girl, because you're on my mind. There's no way. You can't make the jump. I don't care what you study phonetically. You cannot make the jump from A to B. There's no way. So, uh, so I knew immediately. I just, I love watching you rap. That was amazing. Well, you know. <laughs> like, you went right into it. Like, yeah. it was nothing. Well, and, and, and consider... Thank consider, you for that. Consider that's, my incredible lap of, lack of hipness when the rap I do is a Millie Vanilli rap. And you so, remember those. Uh, thank God this wasn't the opening segment of the show, or we wouldn't have these people <laughs> with us now who are watching and us for on, my next uh, trick, on watch the audience disappear. <laughs> oh, okay. uh, we got to talk about something real here. Uh, yeah, exactly. Um, so. Uh, there's a company called Hillco Global. They're a financial services company. Uh, and they have released a timely report on the present state of the craft beer industry, uh, the outlook for brewers emerging from the uh, current uh, medical and economic crisis, and how those dynamics might create certain opportunities for new entrants to the market. And it's really interesting that we're looking at possible opportunities because the 
one of the things my wife sent me an article this this last week. She, anytime she sees something about you know the spiritual yeah, yeah, beer cigar industry, she forwards the article. Sent me an article this week about a new brewery that's about to open in the greater Houston area, and I thought uh, I remember my thought was, well, their timing is perfect. If they'd opened. Four months ago, their timing would have been terrible. But now, their timing might be right yeah. right now to open up. So I don't know anything about them, but we'll see. Anyway, indicators they say suggest modest growth for craft brewers that evolve, connect, and prepare now for post-pandemic restart. That's actually the name of the the paper they wrote because you know these companies aren't known the PPR. for their catchy titles. Yeah, <laughs> uh, the PPR. So here's what they say. If there's a big wave of closures, but overall the craft beer market returns to normal, that's an opportunity for someone. So let's say there's some smaller brewers that don't make it, right? Yeah. But uh, a handful of others are able to stick it out. Well, if the demand for craft beer, if the marketplace returns to where it was, the guys that are able to make it are going to see... A big rise. An increased yeah. demand yeah, yeah. for their product because they're still out there making quality craft beer products. And so, too, would anyone new who's coming to the market find maybe a less – I mean, it's a it's a weird way to look at it, but maybe a little less crowded marketplace well, where they yeah. could differentiate well, the, themselves the a little is, better. Well, the thing is, if you've got you know X amount of breweries closing, there's going to create a hole. Mm-hmm. Um, and that actually will create space for newer people to come in and do that, or right. maybe. And it's a sad thing because I don't want those breweries to close necessarily. Um, but you know, if you can't make it, you are creating space for the next person to make it. That's right. And uh, and and that's that's just the evolution of the the craft. You know. Now they also say that millennials, who comprise a sizable portion of the craft beer consuming public at this stage. Uh, will be in their 30s and 40s a decade from now, and as part of an overall U.S. population, are likely to drive increased preference for premium beer in the time between now and then. While some may choose to trade down during the early period following COVID-19 because maybe they're dealing with the financial impact, so they're trading down and not buying buying maybe less expensive beer, uh, they believe that premiumization will remain the driver of growth in craft beer. And they say a health-centric focus of many consumers in this age range and other age ranges is making its way into craft beer as well, demonstrating a noteworthy and growing interest in sourcing and different types of ingredients in the beer they consume. I mean, I remember when I first kind of discovered and started drinking craft beer, nobody talked about what hops they were using. No. Nobody talked about... It wasn't printed on the can uh, that, you know, part of what the process is. People weren't as conscious of what the ingredients there's are a, were well, as, a, as I think they are in many there's places There's a learning curve. I don't know if you remember when Boston Lager, uh, Sam Adams' Boston Lager mm-hmm. came out. Okay, I, I remember how much I loved it. One of the very early uh, craft beers that even made it, I don't know how they actually made it that big at that time. That's, right. that's an amazing thing. It is an amazing story, yes. Um, but... Uh, but people like he was educating people on the commercials. Remember Greg Cook, right? Uh, the and, uh, and you know he would go on radio shows because I had him on my radio show back in Boston back in the day. Uh, he would come on the radio show. He was a great guest. He would he would pour a beer and then take a bottle cap and float it on top of the head of the beer. You know all these different things. He'd learn to be this great spokesperson, right? And teach people about. Higher quality well, beer, even on their commercials. I remember, mm-hmm. like you know, we heard the word hops and stuff like that. But on the commercials, he had 
some hops. hops he in goes, his this hand. is yes. what hops is now. It's yeah, right. Smell, you know, he had right, that whole right. thing, and he, and he was educating people on that, which I think is a brilliant, brilliant way to do it. And um, and he really like mm-hmm. that whole company kickstarted uh, a lot of that a knowledge, of I think. Movement, and then yeah. the IPA thing. Once IPAs hit the market and people are like, "What is this?" Because they're so polarizing and different than any beer on the market at mm-hmm. that time. When yeah. IPAs hit the market, people started being that much aware of hops because it's such, a, it's hop such a hoppy beer. Sure, beer. yeah, yeah. So, um, so I think that was a large part of it. But it's, it's, you know, I hate to see anybody uh, uh, going down on this, but I really, really want to see, you know, the what happens market in the ba- aftermath. Bounce yeah. back. The ones that made it through, I hope, are going to be stronger and better. The ones that didn't make it through, I'm sorry, and 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 leaves room for some people who have a dream right missed. now. Yeah. yeah, yeah. They do say to expect a reset in sales channels for brewers. They say, given that a significant number of bars and restaurants nationwide will likely either never reopen or maybe will reopen but not survive once they do because of the difference in how business will have to be done, uh, they said they also expect to see a notable decline in craft draft sales and a possible associated uptick in sales on the package side. And I think we've probably already seen that with craft beer producers that are able to get some of their product into the stores. Uh, Insights into consumer preferences for retail-style pack configurations that have been gained by brewers through their curbside pickup and deliveries conducted during the lockdown, they say could prove valuable towards building the type of added resilience into their post-pandemic uh, business model. So right. the sales channels, they say, will likely shift. We will we will get together one day and pine, Ian, for the good old days when you could go into the corner bar and they had all these beers on tap and everybody was crowded around the bar, you know, trying right, them right. and drinking them. It's, it's going to be different. Innovation, they say, will always be super important. Those who utilize stalled capacity as an, opera, uh, as an opportunity to generate some replacement revenue while helping their communities may find ways to build on those endeavors, uh, just as those who beefed up their brand, uh, branded merchandise efforts may now find uh, that channel can bring in an added layer of revenue moving forward as well. I bought One of the things I did during uh, you know lockdown was I went online and bought a T-shirt from Stone Brewing. I love their beers. I, it's now like my favorite T-shirt, yeah. and uh, it's a great thing to do. Buy some of the merch from these guys. Yeah. You know, if you're trying to keep them afloat, buy some of the, buy some of the merch. It's a big thing. You know, so uh, a really tough thing right now. Musicians are oh totally, and you so can do the have, same for your favorite. If you musician. have a favorite musician, I will tell you this: uh, they're not making a lot of money on their recordings. Right, buy the merch. Buy the, the merch. merch, you know, yep. and if you do and buy the recording, buy the physical recording because they're going to make money on that physical package versus the digital download. They're exactly. not going to make as much. Exactly. But if they have shirts, if they have, uh, you know, uh, keychains, right. whatever. If you say, well, I don't really listen to CDs anymore. Fine, buy a T-shirt. Yeah, buy a T-shirt. Yeah, yeah, buy something. Buy a, you know, buy a cap. Buy those a face guys are mask with their logo on right it. Right yeah. now. Well, and so many musicians. The bulk of their income was performing live, performing live, and yeah. that's that's gone completely away for three months. Yep. and uh, so that's yeah. hard. Yeah, it's it's tough. Um, there may be, they say, even fewer brewery brands overall uh, in coming years because of buyouts and strategic partnerships of the ones that are left. So think about it. Say you're Anheuser Busch, right? You're you've got money. You're to Anheuser Busch. Oh, thanks. Don't insult me. Oh wait, I asked you to. Never mind. Uh, uh, so you've got you got money to burn, right? You were interested in acquiring some uh, craft breweries a while back, and you did. Now there's probably some you could get for pennies on the dollar because they would either sell to you or go out of business. You think that 
you know, the big uh, big yeah. beer is not going to be looking at these opportunities. Of course they are. Uh, a way to expand their footprint even further in this area. And again, this in and of itself, that doesn't mean the beer is going to suck. You just have to hope that you know originality remains. Look, uh, you know, and and to just to just put it out there, I don't hate or think that the uh, the, the the macro craft that um, that is all the craft breweries that AB InBev and uh, and the others have bought. I don't think that they're all making bad beer. Right. I just when I go into a shop, I try to make that choice to go. You know what? I don't want to put my money in their in mm-hmm. their pocket. So when sure. you look at these labels on these uh, on these beers, a lot of these you're going to see. Here's a St. Arnold can right here. You're going to see the little upside the little down upside down bottle. Yep. Mm-hmm. Bottle. I'm not finding it all of a sudden. Uh, well, uh, it does exist <laughs> on many of these. But, uh, <laughs> it's not uh, on any of the ones we have today. Uh, of course. But a lot of times you'll see But that that's independent, the Independent Brewers uh, uh, Brewers Association. Yeah. Right. And then you'll see the little upside down bottle on there. And I really try to go with, with and, it, and it sucks because some beers that I really liked have been bought out, you know? Mm-hmm. Like I was a big fan of all, a lot of the New Belgium stuff. Yeah. You know, I, I don't... And it's know. still good. I'm sure. You know, but again, I just don't want to put my money there. You'd rather support the independent guys. Fortunately, there's so many choices out there right now. Right. And it makes it pretty easy to go, okay, you know, I'm not going to drink a fat tire because uh, I don't want to put money in their pocket, in the in the AB InBev pocket, but I can find this amazing Austin Beer Works Peacemaker Anytime Ale that's and unbelievable. And love every drop And of it's it. not going to Anheuser-Busch. Yeah, you yeah know? exactly. They also say that on-premise is going to rise again, uh, but how is an open question. The pre-COVID momentum of unique on-premise experiences was built first and foremost around, you know, Engaging activities, axe throwing, ping pong, the things that the breweries would do, cornhole games, the things that the breweries would... Have you been axe throwing? That's a lot of fun, by the way. I, I have not. I know people who have and love so it. So right but, next yeah. to the to the King's Beer Garden yeah. is an axe an throwing, axe throwing place. place. Yes. <laughs> and they serve beer there, by the way. Oh, yeah, because that seems like That's a good idea. Simultaneously <laughs> the best and the worst idea ever. Yes. <laughs> uh, in the short term, they say businesses... That have invested in these types of facilities may pay a, uh, an expensive price, but balancing the cost of labor needed to deliver these on-premise experience with diminished guest levels and under the limitations of whatever social distancing guidelines are remaining in place in place may prove to be a slippery slope for operators. But what these guys are saying is they do expect this to come back. They just can't tell us exactly what it's going to look oh, like, yeah. you know, when it does. So, well, I think this uh, is a time where people are going to start getting creative with it, too. Right. You know, so my buddy Paul over at uh, the New Potato, mm-hmm. he's got such a tiny bar. Right. I mean, and that's Hard really, to social distance and have very many people in a bar that size. Yes, but he has a huge outdoor. Right. So, you know, what do you do? Well, you just give, your, give yourself your staff service instead of... Everybody mm-hmm. come into the bar for beer. Your staff, right. starts your staff service. service. Yeah. Plus, he has an outdoor bar, and he has this great big yard, so everyone can be easily distanced. And that's kind of a cool thing. You just got to be a little creative with what you got. Hmm. Hmm. Well, the one thing that I would say, and there's a few more things they say in this article, but it's it's all kind of common sense stuff. Uh, breweries have to learn to adapt to operating with fifty percent of their normal capacity. Like, how can can they make that work? The ones who do will be the ones that survive. 
you know, uh, looking at how to modify previous purchasing levels, renegotiating contracts accordingly, you know, talking to distributors and customers about getting draft kegs that were in place before all this went down, all these things. uh, But in the end, what it can really be about for you as a consumer is if if there's a brand that you want to fight for, fight for them. Buy those T-shirts. Go pick up some curbside from those guys. If they're available in stores, buy it when you're there. Don't buy the the fat tire. Buy the Austin uh, Beer Works instead. Uh, You know, the things like that that you can do to to support your locals are hugely important because we had already talked about this for more than a year, how craft beer was becoming more and more of a local phenomenon. And now that's the part of it that's in the largest amount of jeopardy. So this is not a local brewery to us, uh, Ian, uh, but our our final beer for the show today is a uh, White Elm Brewing Company Champarado Imperial Stout. And after you open this, I'm going to ask, I usually write down on my uh, uh, notes here, I usually write down where the brewery is located. And for some reason, I didn't do that on a couple this week. So take a look on that can and tell me where... Uh, the boys from uh, White Elm. Packaged from. by White Elm Brewing Company, Lincoln, Nebraska. Lincoln, Nebraska. I don't think we've done a Nebraska oh, beer in a long so. time. Yeah, if if ever. So wow, look at I that. I can see you pouring out some motor oil there, my look friend. At that. <laughs> wow, I'll just show this to the camera. That is, it's either motor oil or chocolate milk or or coffee. Oh, that's I'm, yeah. That's I'm like not, that's like not sure coffee. which coffee. Yeah. Like straight black coffee right there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Look at that. And does it give you that smell? Um, it's met. Wow, chocolate. Wow, I get more chocolate than coffee on the nose. Yeah, chocolate with maybe a little. Mm. There's a milkiness to the almost smell. a milk chocolate taste. Yeah, isn't there's it? a or milkiness smell. to yeah. the smell as well. It's big, like you can smell. Wow. Wow, this there's is a- not at all what I was expecting. There's a bitterness to the chocolate, too, mm-hmm. so it's like a dark, dark mm-hmm. chocolate kind of. It almost tastes to me like if you did a dark chocolate pecan shake, that's what this would taste like. Except praline. Oh, praline. There you go. Praline. Yeah. that's uh, Except it's got, of course, the booziness to it that mm-hmm. that, 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 that oh, shake Oh, this is have. boozy, too. Yeah, mm-hmm. there's no doubt about that when you're mm-hmm. drinking this. But I kind of like that. Like I like the booziness of this. Well, it tr- Imperial Stout works. So this is a big one. How Imperial big is Imperial Stout aged in uh, bourbon barrels with vanilla, uh, guajiro, guajiro chilies, uh, cinnamon, raw cocoa nibs. That cinnamon is what's giving it that little spice. I think. Uh-huh. The and the, the yeah. cacao nibs are what's giving it that sort of and gritty dark chocolate. And raw cacao nibs, yeah. yeah, super super dark chocolate, bitter mm. wonderfulness. Um. It doesn't say what the uh, ABV is on this wow. at all, but it's I'm big, surprised. whatever yeah. it is. I mean, I'm going to guess, I, I, if we look it up, I'd probably guess it at probably in a 10% range minimum. I don't know if Wiki Brian is with us today, but if he is, maybe mm. he can look that up. It's I haven't seen him on there. Champarado, C-H-A-M-P-U-R-R-A-D-O, with uh, exclamation points on either side in that, uh, in that Spanish way. Uh, White Elm Brewing Company from... Um, you know, Lincoln, Nebraska. It's interesting because I wouldn't have nailed the chilies at first in that. No, it, but they're there. They're there. And I yes. don't usually like beers that have chili flavor. Spice, like I agree, like hot heat spice things. It's not something I usually chili go beers, for either. Jalapeno but beers, this I like. Eh. Even and I and I love but the this brewery. Is good. I love the brewery, but even the Mu Caliente, 
from our friends from in Eureka, Eureka Heights. Heights. Yeah, even that is a, it's a little bit too much chili pepper. So for, for me, me, but they also, I'll drink it, but I, I'm not crazy about. They it. They also know? did a barrel aged version of that, which mellows that out, which was really good. Mm-hmm. So that makes maybe two well, that I really like. But the, this. the barrel aging may may have mellowed the chilies in this as yeah. well. Because you do get a little bit of them on the finish, but they're not enough to make me go, yeah. But what's interesting about this is, like, with the first sip, you don't notice it as much. <clears throat> but then you get the heat of the booziness that's in there, and that heat and, actually and comes that in. And brings the pepper And then in. that yeah. pepper is there, so it almost intermingles with that. And, and it's, it's like it's very much like a whiskey hug the that first, you get on the yes, end of this. The first taste of this is all dark chocolate. Big time. I mean, just rolls over the palate. Yeah. And then all that more subtle stuff you're talking about comes back in the finish and the retrohale. Yeah. I mean, this... Like, have you ever had a, um, have you ever had an espresso with shaved dark chocolate? Yes, on top of it. I know exactly what you're talking about. It's that shaved dark chocolate. Sometimes I have a little right bit of top. just a touch of whipped cream, and then on top of that whipped cream, that shaved dark chocolate. Yeah, shaved this dark is chocolate. very reminiscent of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very much so. Well, I think it's delicious. Um, this is not something because of the pepper thing. It's not something I would drink a lot of. But boy, am I enjoying this. Agreed. And it's funny because the pepper is more noticeable the more we talk about it and the more we drink it. Mm-hmm. Again, with the very first sip, I, I didn't, didn't taste it. it first, I didn't right? taste it at but all. But now, with the retrohale especially, you get mm-hmm. those peppers. Right. And it, and it's very, very, it's it's kind of good, though. I want to tell you, I, I, I'm... I'm, like this would be amazing with ice cream, like with oh, dessert, yeah. like a oh, very yes. vanilla bean kind yes, of ice cream. Yes, yes, yes. I agree totally. Um, and and it does have some notes of vanilla in it. Yes, they're not super noticeable, but they are there. And I think they help help uh, offset the pepper. Uh, well, the it, bit. I get the vanilla bean mostly on the retro hail with the pepper, so mm-hmm. it's like they're mm-hmm. they're kind of there on the end. Yeah. Well, this is definitely this is a great beer. It's interesting to me that it comes in a twelve ounce can rather than. A taller one or a bomber, because to me this seems like the type of thing that'd be perfect to try when somebody comes over and you want right, to open split, it and but, well, I don't know, sample 12, it around. Twelve ounces split of this, because I, I that's got to be at least ten percent or yeah. higher. <laughs> the twelve ounces of this is pretty amazing. Like, can you imagine this though? Like, uh, not to class it up too much, but uh, with an ice cream sandwich. Oh yeah, that'd be fantastic. <laughs> that'd be fantastic. Or one of that, those big Oreo that, ice cream things. Yeah, with that chocolate. Wafer outside oh, yeah, and then the yeah, white, oh, yeah, the, the yeah. vanilla ice cream inside. Oh yeah, so good, so good. Well, I I will tell you, my friend, I like it. I think it's quite good. I think it's quite good. Um, just I'm for it, real quickly before we uh, wrap up, I wanted to pass along uh, some information about cigar factories around the world. Cigar aficionado did a nice article about how many of them that were forced to shut down during the height of the pandemic have been able to reopen their doors. The factories, they say, aren't the same as they were before. They've instituted changes to keep their workers safe. Uh, And uh, in the Dominican Republic, Arturo Fuente, which was closed for two months, uh, resumed production on May the 11th. Everybody wearing masks, everybody far from each other. Tabacalera de Garcia, one of the world's largest cigar factories, shut down until April 6th. Uh, They started on a small scale when they reopened and now have uh, ramped up a little bit. Uh, EPC Cigar cigar Company uh, has reopened. General Cigar has reopened. Casada Cigars is operational, working at half the strength of before. And even in Cuba at Habano S.A., the Cuban government has prioritized tobacco and cigar production as essential activities because they're so much a part of the... uh, 
The economy, yeah. yeah the economy. Uh, CLE, Alec Bradley, Florida Copan, all reopened in Honduras. And in Nicaragua, Plasencia, Oliva, Agenor Salif, and A.J. Fernandez um, is uh, open. They closed A.J.'s shop for two weeks, uh, but it's back online today. And they say it's uh, at capacity and adhering to all safety measures. In the United States, uh, J.C. Newman uh, is um, they closed due to the coronavirus, but they continue to roll cigars uh, at this point. And El Titan de Bronze, uh, full steam ahead, they say, of the cigar factory and store in Miami. So that's the update on, uh, you know, things are slowly crawling back to normal. Yeah. I think we are going to see, though, production levels be lower for a while. So it'll be interesting to see how that impacts the cigar market. Because uh, I don't know about you, but I think I've smoked more cigars during oh, the yeah. pandemic than I did before. Uh, so if everybody does that, will demand increase well, and will these guys be able to keep up with it? If I'm know? working at home and I'm hanging out, guess what I get to do during lunch? Mm -hmm. Like I mm -hmm. eat my lunch and then I have a cigar. Mm -hmm. Oh, it's super nice. By the way, right. cigars go great with iced tea and they go great with coffee. Uh, and Diet Dr. Pepper, my friend. <laughs> I'm not now, a fan of the Diet Dr. Pepper, but I get what you're saying. Now, I will say, just to return to this White Elm a little bit. The more of this I drink, the more prominent the, the pepper. pepper becomes. And I don't know if that's because it's getting warmer or because I've had more. Probably a little of A and a little of B, but what I'm saying is a 12-ounce can of this is probably a great mm -hmm. split for two mm -hmm. people. Yeah, I think you're and right. Man, I think I'm kind of glad, glad we don't have a bomber of this. It you know? just pours out black. Yeah. Like, <laughs> so I know. It, the the color is most definitely motor oil. Like Even the, even the, um, even the uh, head on it is just dark brown yeah i know it's almost <laughs> black itself yeah it really is well ladies and gentlemen thank you for uh, joining us for today's show we have had a blast being here and uh, and bringing you smoking and toasting episode number 189 we we've joked for a long time about being halfway to 200 next week will be show number 190 which is only 10 away uh from 200 and i just don't know in this you know post-virus world how we're going to pull off what we'd wanted to do for show 200, which is getting everybody together. So I spoke with uh, Mark Nichols the other night, by the way, the mm -hmm. quality draft guy. Yes. And uh, I talked to him. I'm, I'm going to give him a call because he goes, man, I've been helping a lot of people with their draft lines. i got some great breweries on board with my thing. He goes, do you guys need any references? I was like, hell yes. You're the dude. So I'm going to talk to him about that, uh, and we're going to see who we can get on here pretty quick. And, uh, okay. and I told Mark he needs to come on pretty soon, too. Well, next uh, next week Ian's going to be in Tucson, so he'll be checking in from either a uh, either a, a cigar uh, lounge somewhere, mm -hmm. or perhaps from a brewery somewhere, or, or or an abandoned playground. Maybe an abandoned playground somewhere. <laughs> yes. <laughs> either way, he'll be checking in via sit, Skype, sitting on the front edge of a slide with a swing in the background. And I don't want to give too much away <laughs> about next week's show, but with you on Skype and and checking in remotely, I've invited. A renowned whiskey expert. Oh, to join us on the show. Now I have not heard whether he'll be able to make it or not. I don't know what his schedule is like, and you know when you're a whiskey expert, the schedule fills you're, up very quickly. Yeah, your you schedule know, fills. You itself. may not always be available, but a renowned whiskey expert on the show next week. Nine a.m. Be a whiskey expert. Yeah. Nine thirty. More whiskey experting. Exactly. And nine forty-five. More whiskey expert. Prepare for your meeting to be a whiskey expert at 10 o'clock. Yes, exactly. And at 1 p.m., 
be on Smoking and Toasting <laughs> with all of your whiskey expertise. Expertise. Yes, that's right. So we're looking forward to the possibility of our uh, of our guest next week. Uh, but either way, Ian will be checking in remotely and maybe letting us know about some uh, beers or, or other goodies from we're the Tucson fun. area. Uh, so it should be a fun show. Thank you for joining us, ladies and gentlemen. Have a wonderful week. Thanks to Adam on the Wheels of Steel. Uh, thanks to Mary behind the scenes. And thank you. Uh, for checking out Smoking and Toasting. We appreciate it. We will talk to you next week and uh, cheers. Cheers, sir. Mm.